Growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. All right. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. We're here for another Beauty Boss Series interview. And I am here with Victoria Rico. Hey, April. So excited to have you. And Victoria and I go way back. We've known each other, you know, internet friends for like the longest time. And today we're talking about relationships and mentorship. And I think this is going to be really insightful for you because it's a topic that we don't talk. I kind of talk around it, but we haven't directly talked about it. So um, it's going to be really good. But I'm going to to let Victoria like fully introduce herself, but I'm going to tell you a few things. Victoria is actually the owner of Microblading Institute. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you would not see her beautiful branding behind her, but the this woman has it down. She's on top of it. She has really, I think, embodied understanding the beauty business, right? And understanding the business of beauty and also then teaching that to her students. So she has the Microblading Institute as well as she has Brow Sister PMU products, Pink Gel. She's an educational ambassador for the AAM in Louisiana and just like really, I think a powerhouse here in the US, really well known. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you, April. That is probably like the warmest introduction of all time. I feel like you really made me out to be something. Yeah. Hi, I'm Victoria. You might know me on Instagram as Victoria.Glam, Victoria Glam. I own the Microblading Institute here in Louisiana. We do have affiliates in Texas and Florida. So if you've seen our branding, don't get confused. It's the same company. I own Brow Sister PMU products. We manufacture Pink Gel, the new anesthetic, and I am the AAM's education ambassador. So if you want to become an AAM approved diamond or platinum trainer, I'm who you talk to. It's really nice to hang out today, April. Yeah, April and I go back 2016, maybe was the first time I was introduced to you. And go figure, I was watching you on a lot while I was driving, by the way. (laughs) While I was driving, April changed my life. That is so funny. So, okay, so take us back to when did you start your business? And, you know, whatever, the 60-second version of that evolution. You got it. So... I have a degree, I have a bachelor's of science, and I used to work in that field in a nonprofit. So when I decided to move on from that, I really wanted more ownership of my time because I was ready to have children and settle down. So I was going to do aesthetic school and just run my own business, right? It's that easy. Sure. So I went and got my aesthetics license and I found out while I was literally on the floor at Aveda, like, oh, most people have to go and work for a doctor's office or for, you know, a med spa. That's where the real money is. And then you're on somebody else's time. And I was like, yeah, I just got out of that. Literally, I graduated last week of December. First week of January, I went and trained for permanent makeup with my friend Lisa Fast in Houston. And then I started my own business. That was 2000. 
17 because I had my first child that year. And then here we are now, years later, with the businesses I've already listed. So amazing. And actually, when you think about it, of course, that's been a couple of years, but that's actually a lot of growth because having an institute taking on training is a whole different ballgame from your own business. And then doing products and supplies, that's another different business, right? So they all have learning curves. And don't forget about the background players in any of those businesses. So learning how to work with people who can do pick and pack for me, learning how to figure out shipping rates for everything, learning how to organize and keep together a sales team who can sell for me. And then I have people who work at my shop actually doing browse and have people who are like, educators who work for me, supervising hands-on models. And I have, and we can talk about this later, but I have a virtual assistant who, who keeps all the plates spinning in the air for me. And I had three pregnancies in that time. So, and we just purchased a building. Yes. I know that was a big story that actually went viral. What's pick and pat? So whenever you place an order for pink gel, literally it lives at a warehouse somewhere, right? So somebody has to actually receive the order, find out how many you ordered, pick it and pack it and ship it for me. Got it. Pick and pack. Got it. All right. Not like drop ship. No. um, My partner and I own the company. It's our warehouse. But we employ someone who picks and packs for all of the various companies that my partner owns and ours included. In the grand scheme of things, it is my company. But I'm always very honest that you can't do anything alone. So when I decided to enter into this market, knowing that this was something I knew nothing about and was going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars because you have to go through a lengthy process to make sure that something has all the right testing and packaging and blah, blah, blah. I just went ahead and buddied up with a girlfriend of mine's boyfriend at the time, who that's what he does. He does manufacturing deals for people all the time. And he has a warehouse in Ohio where it's a whole lot cheaper to store stuff. I don't know if you know this. In the state of Louisiana, at least, when you buy it, you pay an import tax. When you sell it, you pay an export tax. And when it's sitting in your warehouse, you pay a tax to hold it in your warehouse. I said, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, and that just kind of goes to what we're talking about today, relationships. Yes. And so finding all of those people, you know, that is a job in itself, finding those relationships. Did you look for recommendations or how did you go about establishing those relationships? I am maybe the worst person to ask for hiring advice, the best person to ask for management advice. My team overall is incredibly happy and healthy and thriving and always expanding We had a beautiful Valentine's luncheon just today and everyone, it was just a big love fest, but actually finding people to hire, like I just, listen, it's about relationships. It's not about where you meet them. It's about what kind of person they are. So when you strike gold, it doesn't matter where it came from. Well, I think also you're very outgoing. I don't think you meet strangers, like you meet people easily. So I think from that, you're able to probably assess, is this a good person? Or if you're having more you know, conversations, you're able to find more quality relationships. I would agree. You have about 60 to 90 seconds to figure out if this man is going to actually purchase anything or give you any money. <laughs> you got to figure it out. And it's all sales. That's all it is. It's just sales. So I think that I learned to speak with people really easily and kind of decide, can we work together or not really quickly, like on a dime? Yeah. I think that's more of an intuitive thing, like an intuitive of, you know, knowing like some people can just read people really well and have a better knowing of people before. So we're talking about relationships. We're talking about mentorship. Take us back to maybe early mentors or relationships for you that were pivotal in your business. I would definitely say. First of all, my experience in like how I met you, even though we didn't, we weren't technically meeting, 
was an, a big eye opener for me, like a huge one, because you put a name on a feeling I had that I didn't know what to call it. So I had been doing my little brow business for a year and some change. And I really wasn't making any headway. And I was starting to feel really down on myself because I was watching other girls really take off. And I remember having a conversation with two of my colleagues in town who also own brow businesses. And they both couldn't believe that I had never made a sale through Instagram. And I was like, yeah, like no one follows me on Instagram. I don't have any sales from Instagram. They all come from Facebook, which, you know, you only have so far of reach on Facebook. And they said, yeah, all mine come from Instagram. So I started to really feel like maybe like, what am I doing wrong? Because my work's just as good. So what is the problem? And I was listening to you because I had sought out marketing and your name at the time was like April Meese marketing expert or something like that. So I found you and you went live. I was like, oh, she's live right now. I'll listen in. So I remember putting it on my phone on the passenger seat and I'm driving. I can't even remember exactly where I was. And you mentioned something about imposter syndrome. And that was like a light bulb for me, like pulled over, honey. And I said something in the chat on that live, like, thank you. That is exactly what it is. You're so thank you for telling me that other people feel this way. It was such a light bulb for me. And you responded on the the live like, oh, yeah, Victoria said this. And you read it out loud. And you were like, exactly. Yeah, everyone feels that way. It was just so validating. And I've actually spent a couple of years now trying to make you my friend. And I don't think that you caught it. (laughs) And it's my favorite joke to tell, actually. When someone mentions April Meese, I'm like, I want to be your friend so bad, but I don't think that I'm like hitting on her hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I always say they're like a friend in my head. Yeah. Besties in my head. Then I met Amy who owns Minx. I just loved Minx branding because it's so, you know, symbiotic with my branding. It's very pink. It's very loud. It's very fun. So I was following along with her Instagram and I was purchasing things from there. And she came out with a course with Shay Danielle. So then I met Shay and Shay is the nicest person on the planet. She is so approachable. She is so kind and she is so giving. And she told me, I'm going to hook you up with a girlfriend of mine who can absolutely help you. And she's going to change your life. And she did. She hooked me up with Sheila, who everyone knows is one of my best friends on the planet. Yeah. And so I want to just pull out a few key points there. So one, mentors do not have to be just in person. It could be somebody that you like. I have this is dollars flow to me easily. This is, you know, the science of getting rich. There's all of those, you know, books that a lot of people know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, that type of thing. And I would say that those books that I've read over and over again, those people are like mentors to me in my head, even though I've never met them. So I think sometimes a mentor isn't, you know, exactly in person. So I love that you said that. I love what you said that I just want to pull out in case my audience missed it is that what a mentor also can do is not just give you like tactics and strategies. Those are also good. But also I think, you know, as they say, business is 80% mindset, right? And 20% strategies and skills. And so the mindset of really believing I can do this, I'm not alone was key. And I think that that's what often happens with coaching. And I always see this with my students as well is giving them a different perspective. You know, I use the example, if we were to draw a six in the sand and you were on one side of it and I was on the other side, you might see a nine and I might see a six, right? Like it's the same number, whatever it is in the middle, but 
our perspective is different. And so giving somebody a different perspective of it, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't think about it that way. And then the other thing is, and I just got off a call with my coaching students, so I know that this happens a lot, is that the coach is also going to push you outside. Your mentor is going to push you outside of your comfort zone. And what that does is my student just said, and I raise my prices and I can't believe that I'm actually getting it, right? Like she's getting the higher price and she's stepping outside of her comfort zone. And I said to her, what that does is when you step outside of your comfort zone, not only do you reach your goals, but you then set bigger goals. Yeah. But if you never step out of your comfort zone, you never reach your goals to not even realize that there are even bigger goals, right? To even the potential of it. And so I think the mentor can help you with that. And I love that you touched on each of those kind of aspects of the perspective shift of imposter syndrome, yeah. right? Feeling like you're not alone, the support, and then you know somebody holding you accountable to a higher standard. And is there a time that you were resistant to mentorship or, you know, coaching? I think I'm really coachable. If you tell me to do it and you tell me how I'm going to do it. But I do think that there were some mental blockades that we had to break those barriers first, because just as with imposter syndrome, until it clicked in my brain, it was something that was always going to hold me back. I remember when I thought that 10 K a month was the goal, like what else could there be? If like 10,000 a month, who makes that? Well, businesses do dummy. So like, how else are they paying $5,000 in rent every month? You know, I have progressively seen the bar for me get higher and higher and higher. Like 10,000 a month wouldn't even cover all my bills at this point. Cause I got two mortgages plus still paying rent. Cause we're still doing the, the build out, you know, the bigger your dreams get, the bigger your problems get too. But because of that, you have to open your mind. Is that possible? Is that a thing? Do people do that? But it's like that meme. You see this meme all the time on Instagram. I see it constantly. Everybody reposts it and whatever that says a hundred thousand a year is possible until you hang around people who are making a hundred thousand a month. That's super true. Until you meet somebody who's actually doing it. How would you know that it exists? Yeah, absolutely. I like to tell the story about how I was in a mastermind group and we were kind of going around and telling our, you know, goals. And there was somebody that was kind of in a similar beauty business hair in the room. And, and so I felt like we had kind of a similar niche. And when she said her goals, I then thought, oh my gosh, I need to reevaluate my goals, right? Like when you see somebody playing at a bigger level, you're like, oh, wow. And so definitely, I think that kind of speaks to the relationships, the people that are around you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what would you recommend for people that are like, okay, I think I do need some help or I do need some support. What should they look for in a mentor? Great question. I'm so glad you asked because there are a lot of people out there who say like, oh, I specialize in marketing. I only work with pink collar jobs. I'm a marketing strategist for microblading specifically. That's great. Do you microblade? Have you built a six-figure microblading business? And that goes for whatever business it is that you're in. If you've never sold lashes, I'm not saying you can't help me sell lashes. I'm just saying if there's someone out there who has made six figures selling lashes, who am I going to train with? Live Bay Lash or, you know, me who doesn't do or sell lashes? (laughs) You have real-world experience. Yeah. You have experience in the actual field, so I'm going to feel supported. I want to still be there boots on the ground. 
Yeah. And one other thing I would probably add to that is, do they challenge you and ask you the right questions? Right. Because I know when I first started coaching, I thought my job is to provide all the answers. And I realized, which I can offer a lot of insight and guide them. But then I also realized, okay, it's more powerful if I can lead them to the answer and they discover it themselves. So if I say to them, you know, if I ask a question where they're like, oh, I'm actually devaluing my services. And you know what? That's actually really valuable. It's really valuable. When you make like your child, let's say, when you make your child work for their first car, they're going to take way better care of it than if you just gave someone a car and a license the same day and said, go on your own. I put a dent in every panel of that car. (laughs) Yeah, I realized that because I noticed that like I would say something to them and not that it went in and out of the ear, but they were just taken in so much. And then later, I would probably say the same thing to them in a different way. And they were like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, I just said it to you like a little bit ago. But now they're hearing it in a different way because they're ready for it now. But I noticed that if I got them to have the aha themselves, it really stuck, you know. And I can think of so many examples where I actually you know, through video coaching, Zoom, whatever, watch the like the aha, like the light bulb, like they're like, oh, that's the best feeling. Yeah. And that's when they kind of realized, okay, it's a new awareness. And then like we said before, then you realize what can become possible and kind of holding you to a higher standard. So, so what do you think keeps beauty bosses from getting mentors or coaching or anything like that? I think a lot of times it's very chicken or the egg. Like, I don't have any money to invest in that. Well, of course you don't. (laughs) Not leveling up your business. (laughs) That's kind of the point. (laughs) I think a lot of times it's really finances. And honestly, it's being scared. Because if you think back to before I had a mentor, let's say, there's no way for me to predict what money I was going to make next month. So if I'm counting on the $2,000 I'm generating this month to cover me for the next 30 days, what happens after that? I don't know. So it's very hard for me to turn around and say, here's six, seven, $8,000. Let's work together for 12 weeks. I won't even make that much money in 12 weeks. So that was really, really scary. And let's be honest, when it comes to pink collar jobs, there is not a whole bunch of support. It's not like mom and dad say, yes, you know, stay the course. That's exactly how you make money in life. Which by the way, in the state of Louisiana, I literally had to open an actual trade school to be able to teach, which is hysterical because they don't ask for any proof that you have education at all to microblade. That's so interesting. Yeah, I love that. And so, yeah, so they don't have the money to invest. Just like you said, you don't have the money because you haven't invested. But also I think there's sometimes this idea of how we look at money right? We don't look at the cost of inaction or the cost of missed opportunity. And I often say that like, if you think that your services, you know, if it's a lot of money, you know, to charge a thousand dollars or $800 or whatever you charge for eyebrows, if you think that's a lot of money to pay someone, then you're going to have a hard time receiving it as well. Yeah. You know, so how you look at it. Yeah. So is there another story that you have of a time where maybe you were resistant to coaching or a mentor story that really just was kind of pivotal? I think, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of what you just said, when it came time 
for me to stop seeing clients constantly so that I could work on the business instead of in the business. Because let's face it, a lot of times people think that they own a business and all they've done is create a job for themselves. If I didn't have this time on the calendar marked out to work on the business, like to open my school, I had to create this entire workbook filled with curriculum, what the tuition was going to be, what the tuition reimbursement was going to be, percents versus hours, had to give them like everything, right? But this took a lot of work and a lot of revision. And in order to create this entire thing, I needed time to do it. And when I came home, I had a one-year-old and I was pregnant or I just had a baby. So I didn't have a whole lot of time on my plate. And I remember my mentor straight up telling me, you have to stop seeing clients. You can only see them one day a week. And I was like, that's where the money is coming from. Are you crazy? I can't walk away from that money. I need that income to bankroll everything else. And she said, you are doing this right now. She said, you are doing this right now. And if you were just trying to hold on to nickels and dimes, and if you would just loosen it up a little bit, I could slip a dollar in there. And she was so right. Because let me tell you something. I've never gone back to doing more than one day a week seeing clients. I see clients three days a month because my last week is for training. And I make a whole lot more than I was making then (laughs) because I had time to focus on growing these other areas and aspects of the business. I made time on the calendar to focus on other things, but I was so resistant to it because I was scared to lose, you know, those nickels and dimes I was making on Thursdays and Saturdays. Yeah. If nothing changes, nothing changes, right? If you don't make time for it, you really have to make time for success. And I think that's where, you know, I think also we're living in a time where we're all maxed out. There's more, you know, coming at us for our attention more than ever. And so time is like our biggest, you know, commodity and trying to really maximize it. So, and having, like we said before, having somebody show you a different perspective, right? Because you were just so focused on what you had that you couldn't see what was possible. And that's where a mentor can say, but here is what is on the, the other side. And and then also probably having the confidence in you to say, listen, I think you can do this, right? Like you need to do that push. I think that I always say it's like a loving shove, right? That's one thing that I've never struggled with and it's not going to be helpful to anyone else. I'm sorry. It was, it's just inside of me. I have had a million careers. I'm not afraid to quit everything and start something new, but they all came down to one very common item, sales. Well, and I also think that also shows that you're probably a quick start where you kind of jump into things, you don't um, procrastinate or, or think like, oh, what if it doesn't work? And because you've had all those jobs and you know, you're know you continuing to have success, it leads you to more success because you're not afraid to try and possibly fail because you just keep going. Yeah. And you're met with success, like it rewards you, right? Like the universe is saying like, okay, good job. Like, cause you keep putting yourself out there you keep taking action, which is a whole lesson in itself, right? So I just want to kind of take a detour for a moment because, you know, you were doing the services yeah, and you were like, I want to have a bigger impact. And so you opened up the Institute and then from there, I mean, it does feel like a natural evolution to go into supplies, but for some people that's a big jump because like I said, that's a whole different mindset and kind of learning process. So how did that kind of evolve? I got into the education side of things because where I live, there wasn't a whole lot of quality, sustainable training. Like you might have somebody who said they're going to train and then in a couple of weeks, 
no more or whatever. And come to find out that was because the state will shut them down. (laughs) But so I wanted to be that resource for people. And also there's a whole lot of gatekeeping. There is a whole lot. I'm not telling you where I trained. I'm not telling you what pigment lines we use. Like you did not invent Tina Davies. Okay. Give me a break. I couldn't care any less. So if you want to know something that I'm doing or that I'm using, ask me, I'll tell you, I don't care. You can copy the exact ingredients in the sauce. It's not going to taste the same. It doesn't matter. You can know everything that I know. And I will tell you, and I hope that you win because there's more than enough eyebrows, eyelids, lips to go around, areola, every like teeth whitening, who cares? That stuff really pisses me off. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be, I'll be the one. I'll be the one to teach people everything that I wish I had learned when I first started. I'll be the resource that I wish I had had when I first started. And then I found out what a huge undertaking that was going to be in this state because of the training laws. But I'm a lose. I'm a winner. So I, I like white knuckled through. It was like a 10 month process. And I had to go in front of the board of education and present my curriculum, like a thesis, that whole binder. I was just showing, it was a whole thing. But when I decided to get into products, literally, I wanted to manufacture my own numbing gel and other things, machines, microblades, because I wanted to cut down the cost for student kits. And I couldn't find blue gel anywhere. It was sold out everywhere. And it had been at least six months. And I remember messaging Will and saying, like, what is going on? Like, why can't I find this anywhere? And what else can I use as a secondary? And he was like, "Eh, you know how he is. Uh, I don't know anything right now, but I'll let you know really soon. I'll keep you in the know. Like he knows something, but he won't say anything. Okay. So I was having this conversation with my girlfriend when I was doing her eyebrows and her boyfriend was sitting right there. And he said, we can source that. We can, we can get some stuff together. And I said, well, we have to make sure that we go through all of like the dermatologist testing and everything else and have our MSDS. And he said, oh, so this is like a real project. And I said, yeah. So I paid him $200 as a consultation fee just to tell me where to even start. And he said, I'll send you the 200 back if you cut me in for a percentage. And I said, keep the 200 and lower the percentage, (laughs) which was a smart idea. And uh, that was about two years ago. Yeah. I love that. And again, the big takeaway, since we're talking about relationships here, I mean, overall, the theme there is you don't know unless you ask, unless you put it out there. And so many people, I would say, And you kind of touched on this earlier, Victoria, and I just wanted to bring it up again because it's just such a good gem. They keep it in their mind. They keep it in their head because they're afraid if they tell someone or if they put it out there, then somebody's going to steal their idea or they're going to lose out on money. And they're actually losing out on money by not putting it out there is the irony, right? Yeah. and so, you know, you just, you, you just have these conversations, you just go for it. Cause somebody might say, oh, well, I don't want to tell somebody because what if that guy, let's just say that guy runs with it and he creates the product and then he cuts me out or, you know, they have all these, you know, what ifs in their mind. Right. Yeah. And you were just like, Hey, what if it doesn't work out? What do I have to lose? Like, what do I have to lose is what I hear this resilience in you that obviously can't be taught. It's just kind of innate, but and it's probably like one of your secret weapons for, for moving forward. But yeah, you just keep having these conversations. You keep creating these connections. You keep creating these collaborations. You keep creating these relationships that are just stair-stepping your business to the next level, the next level, the next level. I agree. It's really not necessarily, and listen, I don't know about where you live, but where I live, this is like... We should ingrain this on the state flag. People say it so often. It's not what you know, it's who you know. 
And as long as you are a person that people actually enjoy knowing, like, would would you want to be friends with you? People are going to treat you as well as you treat them. Every once in a while, someone will treat you less than that. And I've experienced that in business. Everyone experiences that. It usually is rooted by jealousy or by, you know, just sometimes people just rub each other the wrong way, you know? And once you're kind of like off kilter, it's very hard to get back on track. Sometimes that happens. That's okay. But in general, a great rule of thumb is if you treat people the way that you want to be treated, most of them will treat you the exact same way. Yeah. I think that's a difference between maybe a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset sometimes comes into play. That was a big one um, for me. About the same time that I learned about imposter syndrome, I learned about abundance versus scarcity. And I was, because I was only surrounded by people gatekeeping their experiences and their knowledge and their education, it was very hard for me to transition into abundance mindset. And once I did, it really tripped out people who were stuck in scarcity. They were like, what is she doing? What's the game plan here? You're giving things away for free? I don't understand. It was really funny actually to watch. Yeah, I've always said that. Like, you know, if you put, I've always put education out there and just, if you're just giving, it's just going to come back. Like in, even if it just helps somebody and you know that in some way your legacy is, you know, you made the world better, you know, and it's cheesy and cliche as that sounds, but it's really kind of true. Someone mentioned that to me recently, you know, like, I hope that that's my, oh, you know what? I was doing um, a podcast and someone asked, when you die, what do you hope people say at your funeral? And I said, mm. I hope they say that she had great tits because I spent a lot of money on them. And then we laughed because it was a joke. And I said, no, seriously, I know that people say exactly that all the time. Like, oh, you know, she was so kind or, you know, she was so giving, give you the shirt off her back. But here's the thing. I have actually lived that situation. It was really touching. When my grandfather died, my dad's dad, I didn't know him super well because he lived like an hour away. He's from Syria. Well, his family is from Syria. So his, a lot of his like backstory is not known to me. And so I went around his funeral actually. And I asked people that I didn't know who I didn't recognize. Can you give me like one really great memory of you and my grandfather? And that was probably the number one thing people said, like different instances where he stopped and helped them out or literally like gave them something of his, or I thought that was a really touching, like, like it made me cry. I thought that's so nice. He impacted so many people with kindness. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Gosh, why don't we all love that? Like love to have somebody tell stories about, you know, all the wonderful ways we touch their life. So, all right. So just kind of tie this up with a pretty bow. What are just like some takeaways that you would have for mentorship, for relationships? I mean, there's so much people can learn from you, but you know, maybe in even just your experience with coaching, like what do you think some things that beauty professionals really need to hear? I think the goddess of fate rewards risk. So even if it seems scary, so they have to really speak your language. I understand nickels and dimes. (laughs) I understand dollars. Find someone who aligns with not just your personality, not just your business, but actually truly like speaks to your language itself. Like communication is so important, especially when it comes to like a $10,000 investment. (laughs) A really great place to start with communication. And I think be coachable. There's been plenty of times that someone I've told someone to do something in coaching and they've had an excuse instead of finding a way. And that will hold you back every time. That is the scarcity mindset. That's the the fear. So good, Victoria. So good. Okay. Tell them all the places they can find you. Oh, all the handles. It's so easy. So on Instagram, I'm at Victoria.glam. And if you want to find anything else, 
It's victoriaglam.com. Perfect. Okay. And then what brings you joy? What sparks joy for you? I think I'm supposed to say my kids, right? Because I'm a mom, like my kids, of course they do, but also winning or that my, you know, my coaching student like hit a certain number or goal. There's nothing better than that little piece of adrenaline that comes along with being like, yes, we can check it off the list. Yeah. Which, by the way, I literally always have a list to check off. Love, love, love. So good. I'm so glad we can connect. So many gems, guys. Check her out. Let us know what you found most touching, most powerful. What's the writer downer that you are stapling to your forehead? Let us know. <laughs> know and connect with Victoria. Thank you, Victoria, for being here and sharing all your wisdom. Oh, and if you guys come and find me on Instagram from April's podcast, please drop me a purple heart so I know where you came from and just write April and we'll tag April a hundred times. Ah, that'd be awesome. So good. Okay, bye guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.